So how are you? I'm good. I had a good day today. Had uh, a few candidates to interview and they all went really well. So pretty happy about it. I never interview anyone. It's fun. I really like it. Yeah? Yeah. Was it like, like, isn't it weird to be in that position? At, f at first, yes. The first interview I, g I gave, I guess. I, I'm pretty sure I was more stressed than the person that <laughs> I was there to interview. But no, I mean, the interviews at Shopify are pretty casual. Um, and we have different types of, of interviews. So we have like regular life story, um, talking about random stuff. Um, we have portfolio reviews. So we, we go through like person's whole portfolio mm. we also do a deep dive so that is like the candidate picks one project and we go like super deep like really try to understand like the decisions and trade-offs that went into making that that project and then the other one we have a um, sort of whiteboard problem solving exercise and you go through all of those stages in one for candidate uh yes so well there's different different levels so there is like pre-screening i guess uh by recruiters uh, and then if they they pass that then they go to move to a full day interview um mm -hmm. and then it's like different people that run each interview so that we can sort of all get to know the person um and sometimes you know like chemistry works better with some people than others so it's good to have like input from multiple different people right right it's cool so but yeah it went super well today so it was fun do, do you notice like how do i put this do you notice like in, in young candidates like a uh, mentality shift like you you can you can you spot the, the difference in like generation if you may mm. What do you mean by that? Well, basically, I assume that most of the candidates uh, that you interview are pretty young, maybe. Well, you're pretty young. Yeah. <laughs> Heck, I'm pretty young. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel that maybe the new designers that are, you know, coming out of school now mm -hmm. or, or starting fresh now, don't have much experience. I wonder if they have like a new perspective on things or this is pretty much like they're just trying to follow more experienced ones or I don't know. Um, I wonder. It depends. I mean, some people, what's great is when, when people have like really thought deeply about certain things and have really big like design principles and they have like things that they, they're like, oh yeah, this is how it should be and like really are really principled. But I think a lot of people are just a lot more like, yeah, it depends on like the context and everything. So it's a little hard to say. I don't know. Because yeah, I would say when I was younger, one of the things that I that I can that I can spot like a difference from my perspective as a professional is in the early days with no experience, I had very strong convictions and basically like everything is crap that doesn't meet my criteria. Right. And yeah. I was, I was very strong about those <laughs> those feels. Yeah. Uh, like this is the way it should be, and if you don't agree with me, you're dumb. <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know. Now I'm more ascetic and I, I just I want to hear all sides of the, like, the story, basically. Like it's, it's different. I'm more calm in a way. I guess that comes from like experience and age in a way. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen that. And for me, where it's like you used to sort of be able to make a clear decision right on the spot about like, is this good or is this bad? And more and more. I'm trying to think about all the different um, things that went into making these decisions. And sometimes something that doesn't really um, seem to make sense at first than really does when you sort of dig deeper. No, I think in general, the designers that, that we interview have a good sense of um, like trying to understand what's going on and not be so, so principled as to like be really like against like one thing or another and i think it's it's part of the role of being a designer to be sort of neutral in that way to not have like be influenced by your own biases and try to like have a design win on its own merits not on like how good you are at arguing or <laughs> at trying to like push your point forward not only that but 
the fact that I have worked with teams, uh, big and, and small, and like work at an agency where everything is very fast paced and everything is like, um, there are a lot of decisions behind, not only on the design department, but on the whole like project management and all. And a thing that really changed the way I, that I that I judge a product or whatever that is, mm-hmm. a website or whatever, is like you as an audience member in a way, you're from the outside, you have no idea of all of the meetings, all of the decisions that yeah. that were behind it. And I think like the Twitter faves discussion yeah. and the likes is like, you, we have no idea what happened. We have no idea what kind of data they have. We have no idea the decisions that were made. So... I kind of reserve my judgment a little bit until yeah. at least, I mean, I will never, most of the times, I will never uh, know the whole story, but at least I try to put myself in other people's shoes and, and maybe, okay, maybe this is not. Yeah, sometimes you just want to give them the benefit of the doubt when, when you don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's right. Um, but there's a flip side to that, which is, I don't know if you've been in those meetings or whatever, but when... Someone shows you something and you're like, wait, what? This doesn't make any sense. And that they're like, oh, well, that's because you don't know all the context. Let me explain you all the <laughs> like constraints that we have and blah, 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 oh, blah, definitely. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, why should a user care about that? <laughs> Your users aren't, aren't going to know. Your users are <laughs> just going to try to use the thing and not have any context. Sure, I'm not saying that every product is perfect because we don't know its story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but at least at least reserve your judgment until you try to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool, this was not planned. <laughs> no, it was good. It was fun. Cool. So uh, we have some follow-up, as usual. Yes, unfortunately to some people. Yeah. Mailbox uh, so is a new RDO. <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. So, X is the new audio. It's like Uber, <laughs> but for setting up. Uh, yeah, so we talk about Mailbox a couple of times in, in Dropbox in general. And especially on the last episode, we kind of we went through our apps that we use. And when it comes to the to the mail client, we talk a lot about Mailbox. Basically, we we were kind of sad that it was a great product, but it was kind of abandoned in a way. And you kind of knew that maybe this was coming uh, i don't want to put words in your mouth but yeah basically mailbox and carousel both rather from dropbox they are being shut down uh they're not continuing development on that i still don't know exactly how they're gonna how, how the transition is gonna be i know mailbox users now have a little countdown saying <laughs> like you have x days until this mailbox likes its countdowns i know right the irony the <laughs> the product starts with a countdown to get yeah. in and now you have a countdown to get out <laughs> so so mailbox is kind of like just just teen being kicked in 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 the mouth by a dropbox and like okay so this is out this is over and carousel uh so they are shutting it down but they are kind of like integrating the product um in the dropbox main experience main app so i guess they're going to take um some of its features from the way they manage photos and they're going to put it into the main app in a way so yeah. it's a different kind of sunset, but yeah. So how do you feel about this? Well, one, I knew it was coming, so it wasn't as big of a of a shock as other people. So yeah, if you if you were listening to layout, you had a scoop there. <laughs> but um, it kind of amazes me how how many people were really shocked about this because it was really evident from the lack of any sort of updates on that front that right. the app like right. wasn't going anywhere. Um, and I think that's an early sign of any product that you're using. If you see the app stop, <laughs> the update stop, there's probably something wrong. So I don't know if this is related. Maybe it is. But Team Van Damme, he left yeah. Dropbox. And I know he was working. I don't know if it was still working like right mm-hmm. before he left. But I, I, I know that at least when he got in Dropbox, he was yeah. working on Carousel. Uh, not not carousel mm-hmm. mailbox. I mean, and and he quit like a, at least he announced it like a week ago, maybe. So not exactly when they announced that they were killing off mailbox, but yeah. I don't know if it's related. Uh, kind of makes me wonder. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe you don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I really don't know. So uh, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that? 
if Dropbox didn't acquire Mailbox, do you think it would be still running today? That's a good question. I would say no. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think they would, they would still be doing this. And I think that they would... Um, okay, so we, again, we don't know the whole story, but... I think they had they had to be acquired. You think? It's kind of like no one can make uh, an email client without being acquired. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think well, well, okay. So email clients are really hard to make. They need a lot of people to run them. They they're sort of be, they sort of become like this essential thing, like where it's just expected that you're gonna have uh, emails, uh, an email app, so like the mail app or something like that. And I think not very many people are willing to pay the price that the app actually costs to make. So, and if you look at Mailbox, it was, it's always been free. I don't think that like once you go, you start free, I don't think there's any way that you can start charging at that point. Well, yeah, I I actually forgot that they started free. Yeah. Um, It's like, because at least I see it. uh, So probably because they started as a free app, maybe being acquired was their plan all along. And unfortunately, we see this more often than not. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I, when, when, I, when I say that, I, I believe they would still be, they would still be around. It's just like, I don't know how many people work, were working on that. I want to assume like five. It was, I suppose, like a small team. Mm-hmm. And it was a great product. And yeah. I, I dare to say that they were the, that they were the, the ones that actually pushed the the swiping on email that now it's built in on iOS yep. and a lot of apps, so they they, they innovated a lot and especially in email clients, um, and like third party apps in general. Mm-hmm. So they they started out strong and if they were never to be acquired, well I guess they would have to think of a business model anyway. But uh, I don't know. I, I still wonder like what they could have made. In a way, because we we talked about this in the last episode, it, it was always weird uh, of an acquisition like to Dropbox to buy Mailbox. Yeah. Uh, like email in Dropbox, it's it's way harder to see than let's say photos in Dropbox. Like, right? mm-hmm. because like the photos are already in your Dropbox. Uh, yeah, well, if you're a good Dropbox user. Um, well, what I've heard is that maybe Dropbox wanted to build um, some sort of competitor to Google Apps. So build their own email service and then like build other apps to that compete with uh, with Google apps so that you could like run your online <laughs> sort of world with uh, with Dropbox. So yeah, I have this thing like uh, around around the time that actually Dropbox bought Mailbox. So let's say two, three years ago. I don't, I don't know exactly how long it was, but I started to see this trend of like big companies, companies like Facebook and Google and Dropbox. Yeah. Like instead of having their one app trying to push a bunch of apps and we've seen that with Facebook to get the main app, but they, they, they've basically, they've pushed the messenger app yep. and then they've pushed the pages app or groups or whatever. Yeah, they released paper and uh, Google again started to push a lot of different apps instead of having this one main app. And same thing with Dropbox. Uh, they released Mailbox and Carousel, so they were trying kind of like decouple the photos experience of from their main app to Carousel. And now we kind of see the opposite. It's like they're 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 going back to one single experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook still has a lot of different apps, so they still have, they still cat Messenger uh, uh, single app, but Paper from from Facebook is dead. Yeah. I mean, it's still working. Shut but, down at the same uh, time. <laughs> Great timing. Was it actually? I yeah. know that they, they've shut down the research something lab or something. Yep. I don't know what they call it. So Slingshot and Paper got shut down from Facebook at the same time as Mailbox and Carousel. Was Slingshot the, the, the what, Snapchat thing? Yeah. God, I love oh. that app. <laughs> so good. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What was great about it is that it was it was like a snapchat ripoff but they had this one key difference which was awesome i think was that um let's say i sent you a picture before you could see what i sent you you had to send me one picture back oh i remember that yeah that makes no sense for me no that's awesome 
so weird. Like you're you're in bed and just checking slingshot, and you want to see it, and you have to take a photo. Like you're not in the mood. You just want to yeah <laughs> to click what someone else sent you. It's weird. It's a weird preposition for users. Well, when there's nothing to take a picture of, you could just take a picture of a wall or whatever and draw stuff on it or whatever. I don't know. It was a fun app. I really liked the concept. It was different from from other things I've I've seen before. It was kind of playing off that reciprocity, like that if I send you a picture, mm. I'm kind of expecting one back. Yeah, I just really like that. Well, apparently it didn't go far. Yeah, it didn't go really well. <laughs> well, it was too late yeah. too. Like Snapchat was already clear a clear winner there. Right. Right. So, but I I've seen a really good tweet uh talking about that is um yeah, I'm I'm going to try to find it and put it in the show notes. But it was um when companies start having their innovations lab or whatever it's called, innovations start to be trapped in there. And not like communicate back to like the the bigger company. Hmm. I I totally think that's true. It's like companies that are spending like millions and millions of dollars in R&D um like just like dreaming up ideas of what's going to happen like 20 years with no practical like implementation of them. I think it just makes like it, there's just no real um need for them to to succeed in any way right. and that's why they're just like thing like they're just playgrounds for for designers and developers to try a bunch of things but they're not actually it's like the company isn't putting their weight behind these they're just saying like oh it's it's just like a little thing that we made for fun it's kind of like to make uh, designers happy yeah yeah exactly and by not empowering them in a way Yeah, you're not giving them the best resources to to be able to succeed. And that's why right. often like these experiments don't go very far because there's no like imagine like paper probably have been successful if it was if it replaced the Facebook the regular Facebook app. I love paper. Yeah. It'd have been hard and complicated and they would have had to consider a bunch of things like how you show ads in paper. Um right. But at least like it would have had a shot. Yeah, it was always weird like, you know, in the press and all that they, they pushed paper in a in a big way. Uh, I remember even John Gruber was invited to go to the campus and talk to Mike Mattis. Yeah. It, it was weird, but they, they were kind of pushing it like the innovation of it. And the fa- the fact that it was a separate app and still to this day it was a US only, I think. Mm-hmm. I know at least it's not in Europe. So, I still assume it's it's a US only. So what's up with that? Like <laughs> you make all this big fuss about it and then it's kind of like you, you you don't let users use it in a way. Yeah, uh, but I really liked it. Uh I really liked that app. And I think it yeah, it's still the app that I use for Facebook. Yeah, but I probably deleted it. Oh really? <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, I used it for a while, but then just because it didn't get any updates and sort of lost like feature parity with the regular Facebook app pretty much as soon as it shipped. Definitely. Um I just went back to using the the regular one. So but yeah, I think if you want to do big bold moves, like you should totally like companies should own them and not just like keep projects around just for fun, just to keep designers happy. So I think in a way like that's probably a good thing that Dropbox pulled a plug pu- pulled a plug cuz it's like if you weren't going to do anything with them then stop keeping them around for no reason. Right. So do you have any anything else for follow up? No, I think that's it. One thing I wanted to talk about um is something that's been on my list of things, of topics for for a long time. I have a list. Um and it's personal websites. Yeah. What about them? Okay, let's let's start with do you have one? Do you have a personal website? Because I know a lot of designers <laughs> don't even have a per- personal website these days. Oh yeah. Yeah. I still assume like everyone has to have a personal website. No, a lot of people just link to their Dribble profile. That is okay, we have to get into that. 
Uh, I do. I do have a personal website. Uh, every time I redesigned it and I build it, I am in love with it. And around 20 minutes later, I hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I hate it for like a year. And then I decided, okay, no, I hated it enough. So now I have to <laughs> redesign it. And then the cycle repeats itself. Right. What about you? Yeah, I, I also have a personal website. had it for a pretty long time. And it's it's always been sort of my per, my personal like playground to try a bunch of things and play with new like CSS things and try a bunch of different ideas. It's always been this really important thing to me. And I'm not sure why it's it's taken like that sort of importance in my like professional life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel that having like this space where this is something that you made it's like you made a hundred percent of the decisions over there i i think that's something that's important because what i do in my life for a living is i design stuff and i make websites and it'd just be weird for me to not have one for myself right well the way i see my personal website and other people's too is It's kind of like your face, in a way, the kind of style you want to, like who you are. If you were yeah. a website, <laughs> yeah. how would you look? Mm-hmm. And I don't use my website as much uh, like you, like as a technical playground in a way, like to, right. you know, to, to mess up with, with new technology or something. Um, I just use it more to kind of, like every time I redesign my website, I use that opportunity to create my visual brand in a way. And like, mm-hmm. this is my style. Right. right and probably that's why it feels so outdated like immediately after you do it <laughs> because especially like as i don't know if people would agree with me but as younger as you are uh, like your taste kind of changes way quicker than than as you get older in a way yeah um so like when i was 20 or you just don't improve as fast that's true as well yeah <laughs> and you know the whole thing like your skills don't match your taste so if you don't have a lot of experience you might have good taste and when you try to do something uh you always hate it because it doesn't match your tastes and taste is a very hard thing to improve and to work on but skills that's the thing that you can very quickly improve so i don't know i use that to, the website my website to kind of set my my style as a designer right and it, it, we can we can talk about dribble in a second but if my uh, exposure to the world would just be my dribble posts my work would be just a representation of what i do for others or if i even if i work on my own products that's not like my style as a designer that's just like what i'm doing for someone else most of the times right yeah And I kind of like to have my thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. So I used my personal website for that, basically. Yeah, it's a similar thing for me. Like, you might work for, be working for a company right now, but it doesn't mean that you're going to work there forever. And I think it's really important to have sort of your own brand and identity online. And right. that not everything you do is just the company you're currently working at. So there's different types of, of personal websites There's one that's like this super simple one um, that's just like a, a photo of you or whatever and with links to um, the things that you do or um, links to Twitter, Dribble, all that sort of stuff. That's more like a, a business card almost. Mm-hmm. And then there's the more like in-depth personal site. What would you call an in-depth personal site? Like... One that has a blog or portfolio or has multiple pages. Okay, I can see that. And more right. details. I think the the business card one is fine. <laughs> It totally helps prevent the the situation where because this happens often when I'm like googling a candidate or something because uh, they didn't put anything in when they applied, trying to find like their website or something, and the first link the first result that i get is their linkedin profile oh no it's always a bad (laughs) yeah it's like no you you don't want the first thing that i see about you be linkedin like that's terrible um are we bad people to to make that assumption like make that judgment in a way i I don't judge you but i just (laughs) but you do 
No, but I mean, I, I see it like in a personal way. Like for me, this I don't think this would be an accurate representation of who I am. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily a good representation of who the person is either. <clears throat> so I want m my website to reflect sort of my personality as much as possible and, and tell you who I am um, really quickly. There you go. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if you, if you had that, but... For me, personal websites are just so hard to make. There's this thing where it seems like my brain just shuts off. <laughs> like personal website. Nah, I can't think about anything. And it's just really hard to come up with ideas or I have like all these things that I want to do. But it seems like <laughs> I can never do something that I'm happy with. Yeah, I mean, you're your worst critic in a way. And because it's your personal website, it's like it's the most personal project that you can make. And like you want it to be beautiful. You want it to like for most people, you kind of want to be original. You kind of want to be uh, like you have to think of the tone you want to send. Are you a very serious person? Are you a very goofy one? So there are a lot of nuances that, you know what, most people won't even notice in a way. But it's your thing, and you notice it. Mm -hmm. So, and it's kind of like the way you are representing yourself. So it's that—that's a huge thing. You—you want to—you want to make it perfect in a way, and it's very hard to make anything perfect, right? It's an impossible task, <laughs> and you don't have deadlines. <laughs> yeah, you don't have deadlines. It's your own pace, and it's kind of—that's horrible environment. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you imagine like shipping your product if you don't set yourself deadlines? Or anything that can go on forever, especially if you you really want to commit to making it as perfect as you can. So I think that's why no deadlines, a terrible client, and not much time to to work on stuff. <laughs> that makes for a very bad project to work on. Yeah, um, see, that's. <laughs> but I mean, <clears throat> I think it shows the importance of having like constraints in in like a when you're doing design work to have like things that I, the way I see constraints is they sort of give you traction because otherwise you're just spinning in the air, but tractions yeah. are sort of that, like give you that grip to sort of get going. And then once you're mm -hmm. going, then it's fine. But yeah, that's definitely a problem with, uh, with personal sites. I think that I found for me, it's so hard to get anything done. Yeah. 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 That that's that's true. I mean, for my own website, because uh, I, I don't find it hard to build it and to design it. I find it really hard to like it a week later. <laughs> well, that goes in hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, so for my current website, I was like, I don't know what was the click. I think it was one of the articles by Frank mm -hmm. Chimero, right? It was one of his awesome blog posts. I don't remember which, but there was this awesome thing which basically they had like a like a dark background with an even darker uh, icon or logo or something. I don't know. Something clicked. And I was like, I really like that. I was really into it. I was like, this is me. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is my jam. Yeah. So I kind of designed a website like basically with that as an inspiration, like that particular image. Mm -hmm. So... It was kind of easy, like uh, the whole thing I designed like in a day or two. It was very, I mean, it's super simple website, so it, it was not any crazy pants. Yeah, thing. that's the trick. But when you design a website and for yourself and you like it, <laughs> hurry up. <laughs> you need to oh, ship yeah, it as yeah, fast yeah. as possible because the clock is ticking. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So, yeah, and you know what? The hardest part of it was choosing, like picking a font for it. Mm. I mean, I guess this is most of the designers would, would sympathize with this. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to pick a font for your website, this is like, this is your font. This is you. You have to pick a <laughs> font that it's you, right? So uh, I don't know why this was probably like a bad thing, but I, I didn't want to completely like rewrite, even though I technically did. I, want, I, I wanted to you know, keep some of the consistency between older implementations of the website. So... Mm -hmm. Like I stuck with Futura uh, for my, it's just like my name is the Heather, that's it. Yeah. Um, 
And you know what? At this point, I kind of feel kind of stuck with Futura Bolt <laughs> for me. It's like this is my phone because I decided it was. And I kind of like I'm cheating myself if I change my phone. Right. It becomes your brand in a way. In a way. But it's a, it's a, it's not really a brand. It doesn't exist. I mean, this, it is what you want it to be. Yeah. So, but I think you have a good point. Like, it's a, it's, you don't have to, but it's nice to say, like, okay, this is my logo, whatever, mm-hmm. or this is my, this is my brand. So, f- for me, it's uppercase tungsten, uh, semi bold and black is like how I sort of brand my name. Like, that's how our, that's like my logo, you right, could say. Right. Um, and no matter, like, what website redesign I do, that's pretty much what I'm going to keep because that's just who I am, I guess, like in a way, like in, in logo, like I love Thungsten. <laughs> that's one of my favorite fonts ever made. Um, so I sort of want to keep that around even though I refresh the website. Do you see yourself changing that? No, not really. Wow, that's a big statement. Well, I could change it at some point. Like it's right. not impossible, but right now I'm still in love with with that font so yeah I'm keeping it right yeah i'm still with the futura and i've picked as a body font i use a tisa web pro i think that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce it i uh, like the video on your website yeah at the time it was like yeah because <laughs> the video is really like you know my website is it's very like out of place in a way because you don't even have color anywhere and kind of have a video and yeah the thinking behind that was like, this is my personal website. I really want to emphasize on a personal thing. So I yeah. tried to like pick a photo or something. A photo is very personal, but I felt that a video like me moving like alive, it's the most personal <laughs> thing I can, I can Could show. Could you say so, it's a live photo? <laughs> oh, no. No, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... Uh, you in the show notes, you raise another interesting point, which is um, that we now are seeing a lot less um, like portfolios online, and then people just going through Dribble like, use that as your portfolio. Yeah, right. I noticed you don't have a portfolio. I don't. I mean, my website you have you kind of have like the work that I've been like mm-hmm. my most recent work in a way. It's kind of like a portfolio, and you know what I I what I do for um let's say like um an interview or something when when someone specifically asks me for my portfolio uh i usually just create like a separate page um on my website for for them like i tailor a portfolio for each company that kind of approaches me if i really think uh, hmm. it's worth it <laughs> so you send them a so, pdf or no no it's like my website it's like a link on my website oh okay like a separate page so i use that so I don't have a public, uh, in-depth portfolio, hmm. if you will. So why not make it public? Because uh, why? Why? So <laughs> I don't have a very good portfolio right now online. Uh, I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> I, I had it, like, if you go there right now, uh, kevinclark.ca slash portfolio, you see I have, like, a, six projects, <laughs> and... Mm. That's a very small sample of all the work that I've done in the past years. And I've had that for a long time, like trying to add more and like make it better. And last week I was like, you know what? <laughs> Let's just put that out there. I, li- I like your, your case studies. Those are pretty good. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's like there's the biggest projects that I've done aren't even there. Um, just because they're so huge projects that I think deserve a lot of like really in-depth writing like explaining and just like walking through the decisions I made because uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things uh, to mm-hmm. say there uh, and mm-hmm. I want to say them it's just that it takes an incredible amount of time but to me the reason why because I mean I'm not looking for a job like I'm pretty right. good here. Why the reason why it's important for me is uh, because so much of the work that we do is um, like just goes away super quickly. Like you d- design something today, and chances are in a year it's not going to be on the internet anymore. And I want to preserve that. I want to have an archive of 
all the project that I did, be able to like go visit a URL and see like, oh yeah, I worked on that and remember the kind of challenge I faced and see um, the decisions I made and see how much I sucked by th back then and how much I've gotten better over the years. Like that's just something that really appeals to me. Having that public archive that even though you can't run the apps anymore or you can't like visit the website, that there is some sort of record of that. So could you say that that's kind of like for yourself in a way? Yeah, in a way. And then I guess your next question would be, then why make it public? Well, no, that's an easy answer to the question. It's like, if you have it, why not share it? Yeah, and I think so many good things in my life have come from just oh, yeah. sharing stuff online that if I have it, might right. as well post it. And to me, it's, it's almost like, oh, if I've done this amazing project or this amazing thing and I don't tell anybody, it's almost like I haven't done it in a way. Like I want, I want people around me to be able to experience the things I'm living and sort of be able to learn from, from my mistakes and learn from my projects. I don't know. I just like all of my heroes back then, like when I was learning design, were all these people that were sharing their work all the time and uh, putting their, themselves out there. And I have learned so much from that. I feel like in a way it's sort of my responsibility to keep doing it. And mm -hmm. I just, I just like sharing stuff <laughs> a lot. I'm, I'm an introvert and I, I don't like going up to people, but I love when people come up to me and say like, Oh, I've seen like this thing that you made. I'm like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Right. So that's sort of my motivations behind having a portfolio. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I don't know why. What I have, it's kind of like yeah. a portfolio. Like I do this, 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 this. Kind of like a little description of why. And that's kind of it. I basically don't get into much detail because to be honest, I, I don't think it would make justice to myself in a way. Like I feel <laughs> that like if I design a case study, if I write a case study for a sketch or for something, I feel that, well, first of all, I should have done that like from the beginning. And right now, I would feel forced and kind of waste of time, in my opinion, mm -hmm. for what it is. Yeah. Trying to answer the question from before, like, why do we see less personal websites and more Dribble? Yeah. I think, you know what, like, before, and by before, uh, I mean, like in, I don't know, like five years ago or something, we, oh, five years is a lot less, like 10 years or something, we didn't have Twitter, and we didn't have, like, Pinterest and all of these blogs, and it would be way harder to find anyone online. If you really wanted to find anyone, the the place you would go is for their personal website. Like that's the first thing you try. Like you search Google or something. That's where you want to go. And now there are a lot more ways that people can put themselves out there. Like like Twitter and and like Dribble yeah. and like all of these thousands of services where you can share your work in Behance and all. You don't even have to create websites. So the this is kind of goes hand to hand. With, from our with our previous discussion right like personal website it's uh, for a lot of people and for me for you is very important in a way to like to show off who you really are but if you think about it it's not like super important to be out there like if i didn't have a website people would still find my apps and my my products i disagree you disagree i don't think i don't think like my website is not It's usually the end point oh well do you see do you only take your website as like the source or because you said like you don't think it's important to be out there no i think people are out there a lot more than before right yeah and that's true i mean because we were saying like oh the website should say who you are but the truth is my twitter feed probably says who i am way better than any website could right well And it's something that's that's funny about Twitter too is you can also put your your bio your description, but really like the thing that really tells people who you are are just the tweets. the The bio doesn't say much, really. Yeah, I wouldn't go for the bio, but if you read like the last ten tweets, that you don't get an idea of who this person is, what they've done, like who yeah. they work with, uh, what they're what they want to do, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very more, it's a more personal 
uh, introspecting in, in someone like their tweets in a way and a lot of people use twitter in a different way like a lot of people just use twitter twitter as a marketing tool in a way just like posting links of their work retweeting right um so i don't think a twitter profile is a good like representation of yourself as a professional or as a as a person in a way i don't know i i, I never even thought of it in that way really yeah i don't know no to, to me it's like these are the things i i'm thinking about and things i'm putting out there publicly and you can see conversations i'm having with people it's like it's and there's so many people i got to know over twitter and we've never met i've never like i've just talked to them on twitter and that's how i know them and when after you meet the the person in real life it usually people are like exactly like how they are on twitter <laughs> Because I think you're just more natural. You're really more yourself on 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 Twitter than any other service. I think. Yeah, but not in a way like to 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 truly get to know what these people have done and what are their style. But I mean, this is very close to like to, for designers in a way. But, yeah, uh, it's not a portfolio place. That's for sure. Yeah, and you know what? So to to answer your like the question. Why people are using Dribble more is because most of the website, like personal website for designers and developers, uh, they use it as a portfolio in a way and kind of like show off what, who they are and what they've been doing. And Dribble does that, unfortunately. <laughs> That's another talk. I I don't like Dribble. What do you say, unfortunately? Because I don't like Dribble, not the products, but the the community or the what it has become in a way i i don't update my my dribble profile in a very long time it's like i'm I'm a weird person in this matter because like i even for okay twitter i use that twitter a lot facebook i don't use because i don't like people on facebook and what they share is like <laughs> when when i stop to think okay i've been on facebook i've i spent a lot of hours in this this website and why like what did i actually got from it and like twitter you you see content from the people you want and facebook you see content from the people that you know met or know you or you know in a way yeah and to tell you what like everyone from my high school or my family like i like a lot of that people but i don't care for what they have to say i really don't <laughs> so I don't use Facebook. Instagram was the same thing. I really like Instagram. I love that product. But I stopped. I spend a, I'm spending a lot of time on this. And why? Like some photos are cool, but most of the photos are of coffee mugs and, and babies and dogs. So it was like, so why am I actually spending time on this? So I deleted the app. So and Dribble oh, is God. like that. So I see. <laughs> we can talk about Instagram in a while. Uh, like Dribble is people like posting some shots in a, in a very non-natural way like you you will never see an app on a phone laying on a table next to a coffee mug <laughs> but whatever like show me the ui this is what it's for and it's just like a bunch of suck-ups like 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 heart it's like no all of the, that beautiful and and very important you know criticism that I saw in Dribble a while ago now. Uh, that is kind of lost. Now Dribble feels to me like a popularity contest in a way, mm -hmm. and this is a common opinion. This is not like my opinion, <laughs> but we see, <laughs> we see this a lot. And, and it kind of same thing with Instagram and Facebook and all. I was posting on Dribble, and then I stopped to think like, what am I really getting from this? Mm -hmm. You get a satisfaction when someone likes it. Uh, you get a little jolt of energy or whatever that is. And, but that was it. It was not making my life better. I was not getting constructive criticism out of it. And it was not improving my life. So <laughs> it was like, okay, this is, this is not for me. Twitter is the only like really like real platform that I still get a lot from. Everything mm -hmm. I get from Twitter, basically. If, if we go back to Dribbble... For me, I like I do agree that it's not necessarily the best place to put your work, but what I always say is that at least it's a place. <laughs> Cuz what's the alternative really? The alternative usually is just not posting your work online, like to be able to have like some sort of portfolio or post like the things you worked on somewhere. Dribble is as easy as it gets. So I'd rather have people 
do that than not have anything. But that's the, that's the thing. I'm not saying that the, the opposite of not having dribble is not having anything. Well, the way I experience dribble is not much, maybe because we were in different situations, but I don't use dribble much as a way to like go through someone's portfolio. I use right. dribble yeah. as like a feed of like I follow certain number of people and I will get like a feed of new work that 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 they are working on right and most of the times like most of the people i follow uh, they work at pretty popular companies so i ended up seeing like a bunch of posts from facebook messenger which i already seen and i will see it when i use it and that's fine so as a way to you know like i meet someone i really want to know what they've been working on what what's their style and mm -hmm. what's their you know I wouldn't go to Dribble as like my first place. I would go for to the to the personal website or something, and that's where I have to see it. If they have it there, I wouldn't. I would never go to Dribble. So that's kind of like me. Like my Dribble profile really does not represent the work that I do. But um, well, I'm confident, or at least I hope that a lot of people go to my website first, or at least I don't. After going to Dribble and like this is pretty poor, and maybe they they really want to find out and they go to my website. I hope. I don't know. Uh -huh. It's been working out for me, so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I use Dribble in a very similar way that I use Facebook. And that is mostly to post, only to check like things that matter to me. So I, I'm not necessarily going to go and regularly visit the main like following list. Mm. Um, but I... I am happy when like someone I follow on Twitter posts a link to like, hey, we just launched this thing that I made and post a shot to Dribble. And I think they maybe wouldn't have shared it otherwise. So it I use it more as a um, like push kind of service rather than a pull. Like I don't go to Dribble for something. Mm. I like wait for it to come to me. Same thing that I do for Facebook, which is not read any of the news feed because that stuff's awful um but occasionally post stuff and read like notifications and mentions when people like post things that i should be interested in i can see that but yeah it's interesting do you see the place for a new kind of service that could fill your need of like either like having a good like, community feeling, getting feedback and sort of posting your work. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's not up to a, to a product, to a service. It's all about the community. And I've seen this, um, I've met uh, Matt something. I forget his last name. <laughs> wow. He, he, wow. <laughs> he's doing a... Uh, hey, Matt. Matt. Hey, uh, he's doing a uh, material up, iOS up and now side up, which is in beta. I don't know if you've seen this. No. I'm going to, put it in the show notes it's um it's kind of like dribble but so in a way to, to show your work but um it pushes a lot of the like collaboration in like you can specify which tools that you use like you use framer and sketch and all for this if you're sharing uh things like a framer link they will embed that in mm -hmm. like the website um so this is this is a new well rather new product and the community is still growing but uh, that's the thing. Like the, this is another another person really trying to foster and to create this community, and that's a very 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 hard thing to do. Like create a community. Like it's it's hard because it's not up to you, right? It's yeah. kind of kind of like out of your control. So if you ask me if I would like to have a community where people are actually interested in you know making good work, and the end goal is to be a better designer and to learn, uh, and not to get. 50 likes um yeah i would love that but i don't know uh, like uh i guess my personality i really don't like to share a lot of stuff like mm. i don't know like if i'm working on a project mm -hmm. like on an app or something yeah i really i i never even like remember to you know share some shots of the work that you've been doing i only care right. about like when it's done launch it and then share all about it but um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm an outlier. And I think Slack is probably taking a lot of these responsibilities now, hmm. where we're more and more hanging out in Slack channels with people we sort of know and trust a lot more. So that's kind of sad because now you're 
you're limiting yourself a lot like for people you know and that i'm afraid for like new designers that don't have a lot of twitter followers well it's not necessarily people you know know but it's people that you look up to and because you know like there's there's a bunch of slacks that are are open to the public right but it's like people that you follow on twitter or something all hanging out together so <laughs> why do you hate fun at instagram <laughs> i don't hate fun <laughs> no oh, man, i um, sound like a grumpy old man <laughs> yeah you're getting close how old are you now? i just um <laughs> i just um i i paused and i asked myself what am i really getting out of instagram <laughs> wait 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 No one will get this. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the question? Oh, yeah, Instagram. Uh, I, I. Do you like photography? Like in general? I do like photography. I don't practice it. Um, so but what do you do with your pictures? Uh, I, I look at them later when I want to remember stuff. <laughs> That's the thing. Like when I, so I, I, I've been in San Francisco for a week. I took some photos. I want to say uh, definitely not a lot of photos. Like I just took some photos, something that was pretty and mm -hmm. I wanted to remember later. Um, but mostly like I, I usually just, just look at stuff. I really don't, <laughs> I don't have the habit of taking my phone out to take a picture. Um, I usually just like try to experience it in the moment. So yeah, so mm -hmm. I, t I took a bunch of pictures and I never thought of sharing it. Like why, to who, why? <laughs> why would anyone fun. care? People care. For who? Uh, well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think people care. I don't think people care what, what am I looking at. No, they do. People... People are interested to see what you're up to. And I don't know, like, let's say I'm traveling somewhere, I'll post <laughs> a bunch of pictures. And it, one, lets people know that, like, I'm traveling or something. So if they're in that city, then they can, like, ping me and we can meet up or something. Or um, I often get recommendations of people that see it, like, oh, hey, he's around, like, that area. So you should like check out this thing. Um, and I don't know, I just like the idea of that if I'm traveling or doing something interesting that other people can take part in that too and we can sort of talk about it all together. And I don't know, I, I also like not just keeping things to myself. Like I, because most of the time, you don't necessarily look back at all your pictures that you took. So I think like putting them on Instagram is sort of making a selection of, okay, here are the like five or 10 best pictures that you took during your trip. And they're, they're um, somewhere in like a publicly accessible place. And it's like, there's, yeah, there is a public archive of everything. That is a very romanticized image <laughs> of the world. <laughs> Uh, that's right. not what I experienced. Uh, and again, maybe I'm being a grumpy old man, but uh, what I got from my... Maybe I was following the wrong people because what, what I got from was like, all these shots are like, see how cool I am. Like it. <laughs> like give me some... I don't know. You're giving uh, too much importance to the looking at part. <laughs> don't don't maybe put I am. so much importance on the feed. Just use it as... Uh, Someone who posts. Okay, so start a petition. If, if <laughs> ten people want to know what, what I'm looking <laughs> at, uh, ten. It's not asking much. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see what try. you saw in San Francisco. That's interesting oh, stuff. Thanks, man. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Okay. Anyways, let's know. move on. <laughs> hey, Apple's new charger case. Yay! I felt like we were forced to talk about it. Because everyone has to talk about them. So yesterday, Apple released a <laughs> uh, case for iPhone that also lets you charge the, the battery of your phone. So it's a phone charger like the, like the Mophie. Right. Uh, except there's one key difference. It is god ugly. <laughs> it is, how would you describe it? 
It's like your iPhone is giving birth to like an iPhone 6. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like your iPhone, iPhone 8, an iPod. Ah, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. this. Yeah. Or like, you know, uh, when a snake eats something and you <laughs> can see, see like the shape <laughs> thing that it just ate it. Um, like in cartoons. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say about this. It's like, does it look odd? Yes. Does it look ugly? That part, yes. Like the rest of it, like the materials in, in like everything but that little lump, uh, I think it looks way better than any other charger case. By the way, disclaimer, I don't use any charger case, but I've seen like Mophies and, and stuff. So um, I like the fact that it doesn't have two parts. Like you, you take it apart, like a Mophie, you take the, the, the top to put your phone yeah. in and you close it, right? So I like it's like one single piece. Uh, I like the... Um, the materials, like the, it's it's the same uh, rubber silicone thing of their cases, which um, my girlfriend has one. It's like I really like that rubbery thing. So mm-hmm. I've seen from from some reviews that I I it's very cool to hold, like the feel of it. Yeah, because um, it's it's it looks re- thinner than the Mophie. Well, because the edges are right. Well, the edges, but also like overall. The, and it probably is because you, it doesn't hold as much. If you look at a side-by-side side picture, the, the Mophie yeah. looks way bigger. It has nowhere near as much juice as a Mophie, so that's probably why. Uh, it doesn't have as much. It's like 25% difference. Um, what I know is, what I remember is uh, with the Apple charger case, you get more 83% of battery. And with yeah. the Mophie, you get more 100 and then more 50. So... It's a lot more. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, but another thing that is is better about this one than the Mophie is that um, you can just plug it with lightning. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Because for some reason, all these case makers just <laughs> want you to use USB for some reason. Like or a mini or micro or whatever. Um, and like, who has these cables? Why? Do you think they don't have uh, like clearance to use lightning i don't, I don't know because uh, they have to pay the licensing fee to apple Ooh, to use there that. you go yeah there you go yeah i i also like that it's it's smart in the way that if you um use it with your iphone and uh the battery of your iphone is fully charged then it's not it's not gonna like take any battery mm-hmm. from your case so you don't have to manage it in any way and it's sort of smart it it fills up the battery of your phone first and then um like uh then empties the battery of the case yeah. i don't know if that make, might have made any sense so instead of just um taking battery straight from the case and then like slowly filling up the iphone it tries to fill up the iphone as quickly as possible and then take the remaining battery from the case so mm. it does like kind of smart things uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, I see a lot of people preferring the like the Mophie where you have, actually have a on and off switch, so you can, you know, turn the case on to yeah. drain from the case. But I like that yeah. thing of there's no UI. You don't think you just plug it and let the you the the OS deal with it. Yeah, exactly. But but okay. But here's here's the elephant in the room, right? So <laughs> the thing that people are going bananas about is this is really ugly. It's not like. <laughs> Again, we can see... It's the year of ugly Apple uh, yeah. accessories. Like, we can see why, like, for example, they don't have, like, the lump doesn't continue until the top because they want it to be able to fold, like, to, you know, to, to fold a little bit of the case to in order for you to put the iPhone in. So I can see, like, stuff like that, but I don't care. This is Apple. This is supposed to be, like, the best designers in the world. You come up with this. It's not like... <laughs> It's not up to me. Like I understand, same thing with the Magic Mouse, like the charger being on the bottom. Like if you ask me, like okay, so would you prefer to have a little plug? Like actually, with the design of it, it wouldn't even be possible. But like uh, on the front or on the back, it's not even possible with the current design. But how would you? How would you do it then? Plug only goes in the front, not in the back. In the back would not be an improvement. <laughs> yeah, but look at this. You don't have the space to to put a little plug here. 
so people can see it. I'm holding a magic mouse. So that that kind of decision when you ask me, like, would you prefer to be to have a little thing on top or whatever? It's like no. So I kind of understand the compromises. Like you, you only have to plug it in for like half an hour or whatever, and will you know last you like a month or something. But here's the thing, like. I don't care, and from all companies, Apple should be the one that finds that solution that no one even thinks about, like the perfect solution. You know what you could do? You could have a little base with the inducting charging, so you wouldn't even have to plug anything, but that would that would uh, lower your margins, probably. Induction charging is really slow. That's the main problem with it. Uh, still, if you can charge this like in, in 30 minutes or whatever it is, you can leave it like through the night on the little stand or whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> but w- w- what's happening is Apple is kind of with their like most recent product design things. It's kind of yeah. making people mad because it's you know what? It's not beautiful and perfect, and that's what we can ex- like we we expect from Apple, and they're not delivering in a lot of I don't know this even though it's smaller things like freaking mouse and a freaking battery charger and why are they even making battery chargers it's uh i don't know it's kind of it's not a big deal it really is not like it's a freaking battery charger if you don't like it don't buy it i don't care but so but one thing that's interesting about it is i don't know if you've seen seen this it's uh it was a post by uh, nilay patel on the verge and the title is, Is Apple's Smart Battery Case So Goofy Because It Was Designed Around Mophie's Patents? And he makes a couple of good points. Have you read it? No, I didn't. Yeah, so Mophie has a, has a patent on having a case that detaches itself. So have the battery that's part of the, the bottom part and have like a top mm-hmm. part that you can pull away to put your phone right. in. Um, that could be why the the battery in the back can't be the full full height of the phone, because if that was the case, um, it would be solid. So they couldn't have like just a silicon like thing they can right. um, like pull pull your phone out of. And that they have, I think, another patent that's um, to um, show the battery uh, the like on off switch mm-hmm. on the case. Well, that's like another reason why the the Apple one uh, doesn't have one. I don't see Apple going. Even if they could, I don't see them going through the little on-off switch. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they particularly care that much about switches. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I definitely think it's interesting. Like they have the Apple Pencil that you plug into the iPad that looks really ridiculous and that just begs to be oh, broken. I- yeah, the, how many pencils are gonna be are gonna just be broken God, with that thing? I don't even want to think about it. They have the uh, keyboard case like cover that like ha- like has the keyboard that's just half the size of the iPad that's like thicker. Right. Have the weird mouse, <laughs> and then they have this this weird case. It's kind of funny that it's like their year of having really terrible accessory design why i don't know yeah i don't know what changed yeah you talked about the the mouse a little bit and i don't know you you're not gonna fool anyone into thinking that this is a good design right like i think at best this like a designer at apple said like fine i guess it sort of works because you only have to plug it for for five minutes but like (laughs) No, here's Johnny Ive isn't happy, happy about that solution, right? <laughs> like, if you ask me yeah. if I if I if I prefer having the plug on the bottom like like it does, or having it a little port like on the front with a little lump, I guess, to make room for it, I would prefer it on like on the back, like it is. No, I for me, I prefer it on the front. I think like there's there's space on the front. You can you just make it a little thicker and that's like a big complaint that a lot of people have yeah you can make like no raise the top by like the thickness of your iphone that's a lot you know what i mean like you don't need a lot of thickness that's a lot thicker well you know what the main complaint about that mouse is is that it's too low profile (laughs) i know so i don't know i i think you're gonna see at some point 
that model is gonna get redesigned and you're not gonna have that problem anymore. I am sure, because that's just inelegant. Like, I don't wanna be the person in the office that has to go grab a coffee because my mouse is charging. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not gonna happen. The little the OS tells you like it's low on charge, so like the day before. So I'm not trying to defend it, but so here's another question: if they would if they would uh, raise the profile of the mouse, wouldn't that be way harder to do gestures on it, like little swipes and stuff on it? You thought about it? I don't know. I'd have to try it. That'd be weird. Yeah, but anyway. We're gonna try to get Johnny uh, on this podcast, and uh, then we can ask all these uh, very important questions. He's too busy uh, designing his uh, lightning headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Okay, so um, uh, where can people find you online? I'm at VernalKick on Twitter, and my website is kevinclark.ca. You have a website? I do. <laughs> Holy shit, okay. How about you? Uh, I, I am Rafa Hari on Twitter, and our website is rafa.design. You can find uh, this podcast, the, it has its own Twitter account, so it's super fancy, like a real person, and that is Layout FM on Twitter. And if you want to leave some feedback, you can do that through Twitter as well, or you can go to layout.fm, super fancy domain, yes. and hit the little contacts uh, or feedback link and <laughs> not a button you can get in touch <laughs> it is a button <laughs> that is a button so yeah i'll see you next week see you next week bye bye